0: Most hospitals have policy and procedures set in place for how to handle and control infectious disease during an epidemic or disaster. However, if you're a private practitioner, what can you do to stay abreast and in time correctly treat, report, and dispense information about patients coming to see you? You're listening to ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures. A nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And with me is Dr. John Simkovich, Director of Public Health for a Region in South Carolina, and a member of the National Council on Readiness and Preparedness. Dr. Simkovich is talking to us today as a private medical professional. Dr. Simkovich and I are discussing the epidemiology and the private medical community in limiting the spread of infectious diseases. Dr. Simkovich, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you, Bruce. So who has the responsibility for limiting the spread of infectious disease in the community?
1: Well, I think all medical providers have that responsibility and should know what the requirements are for reporting infectious diseases to the local health authorities. So it's not, it's not one individual. If you're looking for, you know, public health is the one in a community who is responsible for the spread or trying to control the spread of disease. But it's each individual provider who reports to public health and does it in a timely manner that really makes that system work.
0: And what are the reportable conditions and why is it important for physicians to report them?
1: There's all kinds of reportable conditions. There's some that are immediately reportable, that'd be things like smallpox, anthrax, that we would want to know about immediately so that we can start a notify others in the community and let's say, if smallpox or anthrax would be associated with terrorism. We would want to alert... Law enforcement and other partners in trying to to come up with a response. Other conditions will be HIV, will be measles. You move into the next category, which would be immediately reportable, would be chickenpox or some other types of diseases like this, meningitis, hepatitis A and B. So there's different stages of diseases that have to be reported and timelines for reporting them to your health authority, whether on the state or a local level.
0: So we're all a little worried about the HIPAA rules. What if we report these incidents or these conditions? Are we in violation of the HIPAA rules?
1: No, you're not. Public health has the authority to gain this information to protect the health and welfare of the community. So HIPAA is not a concern when it comes to reporting these illnesses that Public health needs to know to protect the health of the whole community.
0: Does reportable conditions include things like salmonella, where there might be a food poisoning or food outbreak?
1: Correct. Salmonella is another reportable condition, and we get what we look for to see that or E. coli are all reportable conditions to public health. And this information eventually gets transferred up to CDC so that there's a continuous chain of information that flows. It's important to report illnesses because you never know where they're going to go. If we can get it early enough, we may be able to intervene from having it spread if we can come up with a common source for where it originated.
0: Have you had to change the reporting conditions in an era of terrorism or bioterrorism?
1: I think they added more to it. I'm not directly involved with making up the conditions that are reported, but things like smallpox, which we felt was eradicated, pulmonary anthrax, which we would only see very isolated cases now have become reportable conditions for two examples. Yes. So I'd say, yes, there has been a change.
0: So what steps does public health take when it starts an outbreak investigation?
1: Well, first of all, we try to gain as much information. we actually become the disease detectives at that point. We try to gain as much information from the provider about it or from the laboratory who reports it. And then we'll go, someone, one of our nurse epidemiologists will talk with, patient or their family to gain information, depending on the nature of the event. Let's say it was salmonella. Uh, we would like to know if we get a food history. It would really help us to identify where the where the problem lies. A good example of that, salmonella has been used out in one of the Western states to try to influence the elections in that community. Uh, and it's one of the prime examples of what was looked at as an early stage of terrorism in this community where Salad bars were purposely contaminated with salmonella so people would get sick and not be able to vote. If you can recognize that early enough, that there's a cluster of events and it's coming from one or two areas, then we can go in and really look and see why is this being caused.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Simkovich. Director of Public Health for one of the regions in South Carolina. Does reporting infectious diseases include the flu?
1: Yes, we like to get reports of the flu, and I think that even becomes more so now in the era that we're worried about having a pandemic start. We look for, here at least in South Carolina, we get reports from laboratory-confirmed cases, and we get reports from rapid flu tests during the flu season. And this helps us to get an idea how widespread it is in our community.
0: And you mentioned the word pandemic. Can you just describe that for us? What does that mean?
1: A pandemic is when a new strain of virus or flu develops or illness develops that no one has any immunity for. And it spreads around the world. We've had several pandemics in our history, and we usually get three or four in a century. And right now we're long overdue for having another one in this, in this country. Probably the, the biggest one was in 1918, which they called Spanish flu, which killed millions and millions of people worldwide. Uh, we've had the Asian flu and we had the Hong Kong flu back in our history here in this country and around the world. So we're just waiting now for another pandemic to occur.
0: And have you been practicing what we should do in the event of a pandemic flu in South Carolina?
1: Well, not only South Carolina, I think across the whole country, everyone is, is preparing for pandemic We're trying to get our resources and educating the public, educating businesses to develop continuity of operation plans in the event that something like this should occur. Healthcare, every aspect of a community, we're trying to get prepared. Because if it happens, because of the nature of a pandemic, it's everywhere pretty much at the same time, and so there aren't resources available to come in to assist. So it's almost every community has to work and plan and prepare in case it should strike.
0: And who's involved in this preparedness?
1: It's the business community has to be involved in it. The healthcare community has to be involved with it. Every aspect of the community has to be involved, including the public has to understand what would take place. So every organization right now should be working on or have in place a continuity of operation or a coup plan so they would know how they would function if this should occur.
0: Do people have to step out of their traditional medical roles in that kind of a disaster?
1: They could have to. What we're talking about here is something that could affect a large portion of the population at the same time, and not like we typically get flu. This could happen any time of the year and will probably happen in several waves that will occur. And we can lose, say, 20% of your your workforce or 25% of your workforce. And how do you cope in providing services or do what you normally do? You can have a large number of patients who have to be treated, and then the hospitals may become overwhelmed with the number of people, so they may have to be alternate care locations set up. So it won't be business as
0: usual if this occurs. You talked about physicians reporting in when they have a patient with an infectious disease, but what kind of information gets transferred back to physicians from the public health's epidemiologists?
1: They're available to talk with the medical community, to... Find out what is going on. If they have a patient who they're they're concerned about or have a question about, I would never has I would advise them to call and speak to someone at the health department about it. In that capacity, who can assist them and tell them if there have been other cases in a community or not. A lot of times, people look at things as being isolated only to them, and I I sort of compare it to, and each medical practice is like a pixel on a computer, and they're looking at each individual patient where public health is looking at the whole picture because they're getting all those pixels put together and coming into one point so that they can see what's actually taking place throughout
0: their community. Are you advising physicians if something strange seems to be happening with a particular patient that one of the places they should turn to is public health epidemiologists and say, this is kind of strange. I don't know what's going on. Have you heard anything else like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I would I would talk to them. I mean, depending on the nature, especially if, you, if it's some sort of an infection that's taking place. That would be a good place, and if they have laboratory confirmation or if they don't, I think they'd be a good resource to work with. I mean, our physicians here work with private providers on a daily basis to help to educate, to share information, to give them different perspective on what may be going on. So I think they're just a colleague who you can consult with without charge who is happy to,
0: to assist you. And What are you doing in particular on the pandemic flu virus as far as educating private physicians in your community? Matter
1: of fact, even yesterday, we had a seminar on pandemic influenza for the private medical community, and it's being moved around our state. It was in our location yesterday. So there are resources available, Uh, There's a great deal of resources available on CDC webpage that the private medical physician could get information about.
0: And do they know what kinds of physical resources such as uh, Tamiflu or other kinds of things are available and how those would be distributed?
1: That's hard. Each state is working on plans. It varies by location and how they will be done. So I think the plans for each state vary and each community may vary. So I think they'd have to check with their local health department or state health department.
0: I want to thank our guest, Dr. John Simcovich, for helping us understand how we can work together to keep the community safe. I am your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.